This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Analyzing Anfield this week. It is a crossover episode with Analyzing Everton. So I'm joined by Analyzing Everton's usual host, David Hughes. David, looking forward to it, mate. Uh, the show or the match? <laughs> <laughs> no, the show, yeah, the show. Yeah, no, the show I'm okay with, yeah, but um, I think the uh, the book stops there. You know, I don't know if I'm looking forward to the match as such at the moment, but yeah, no, definitely. I think we have done a crossover show before, haven't we? Uh, at yeah, least yeah. One. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it happens, uh, you know, very rarely and we know what's on the horizon when it does, so good to do one again. Yeah, I mean, obviously... We're doing this for Merseyside Derby purposes, but um, from an analysing Everton perspective, Dave, we haven't done a show for a few months now, so given that you're the host for that side of things, I'm not sure if you want to give out some some form of communicado or official type thing yeah. um, to regular listeners of the show, where we've been, what's been going on. Yeah, you know, I, I, I seem, seem to forever apologise when we record because, um, you know, <laughs> So many people reach out and ask about it and um, really appreciate the support for that. You know, we both enjoy doing it. It's just a little bit harder to pin down because we're basically at our max from a working capacity with the, the shows and writing that we're already doing. So it's sometimes hard to squeeze it in. Um, obviously, we've managed to do so here and I promise it will come back semi-regularly. Um couple of weeks, we'll maybe do a, a bigger drill down on Everton uh, at the back end of... What's been a tough run, you know, Liverpool fans have maybe been keeping an eye on things, having a bit of a laugh, I imagine. But, you know, it's been a, a tough run of fixtures for Everton, obviously, kind of hitting its height uh, with the Merseyside derby coming up, which we'll be talking about shortly. Um, but I, I think there's this game, a couple, couple of other tough ones, and then fixtures settle down a little bit. So maybe when the fixtures settle down, we'll, we'll have a look and see if, you know, the form was contributing to who they were playing or or the, if there's bigger problems at play but you know as I said we'll, we'll probably tick a few boxes with our chat today so we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll leave that there for now I guess Josh maybe should we start with talking about um, talking about the visitors Liverpool seeing as they're in in much better form and things are a lot easier to to dissect from from the, the red side of things yeah, well, it's it's uh, all rosy a little bit on the Anfield side. Uh, last time, I think we faced Everton. I think it was the last time. I was an absolute mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we lost a fair few, and I actually I just felt the loss coming. It was just going to happen. Uh, empty stadium and all that sort of stuff. And Liverpool, I think Klopp has actually said that Liverpool had a broken leg because of the centre-back's problem. And because we fixed the centre-backs problem with midfielders, we kind of broke our spine as well. And that was what it was like. But also, you know, on the ball, Liverpool just just uh, on repeat. Um, struggling to break down blocks, playing really slowly, uh, crosses into the box. It was just on repeat. But now, Liverpool have thankfully been restored back to normal. And... Um, yeah, no, I mean, not perfect so far this season. I think um, Liverpool are third now in the, in the league, only lost once. But a f- few too many draws, we've drawn four. That's the most of any team in the top 10, except for Brighton. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool generally in a position where we can challenge for the, the Premier League and the Champions League this season. 
just the attack is absolutely red hot, which I'm sure we'll get to. But the defence is probably what needs a tiny bit of work in terms of Liverpool's control. We lacked a lot of control against West Ham. Suffered from a loss there, our first loss of the season, and that seems to have given Liverpool a bit of a kick up the backside since that loss. And since Liverpool have played, I think, three times, 4-0, 2-0, 4-0. So, bit of a statement since, you know, a bit of a, uh, as I said, a bit of a rock up the backside there. And they haven't been against easy sides either, Arsenal, Porto and Southampton. Open and Anfield, but, uh, yeah, I think we're seeing Liverpool go on their kind of winter run at the moment, um, which I'm sure you're not happy about, Dave. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, look, it, it really isn't a good time to be playing them. Um, as we've talked about on the show a few times, um, this season, it's it seems as though maybe some of that defensive solidity has, has been sacrificed a little bit to be um, more aggressive from an attacking point of view. Um, I mean, if you look at the numbers... Based on XG at the moment, uh, Liverpool have got an accumulated total of 34.4. Second is Manchester City on 28.6. I mean, that's a huge difference difference against a really good side like City in what has only been 13 league games. Now, Liverpool have just been blowing teams away. Um, I guess the trade-off has been defensively. Um, If you look at expected goals against, Liverpool rank about fourth, which... You know, it's, it's very good, of course it is, but uh, by by their standards, uh, you'd expect them to maybe be a little bit closer to to Chelsea and City. Um, it's 13.6 for Liverpool and then Chelsea 12.6 and City 8.5. Uh, so that's kind of been the story of the season, hasn't it, for Liverpool, where the attack's been fantastic, the fence has looked a little bit more, I wouldn't say poor by any stretch, it's just looked more penetrable than maybe in years gone by, but... As you rightfully point out, um, it feels like the West Ham game, the 3-2 defeat, could well be a bit of a watershed moment or was a watershed moment because there's three back-to-back clean sheets since. Um, And that is certainly interesting from Everton's point of view because if we look at Everton's results just quickly um, over the last few weeks, uh, they've only kept one clean sheet across the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... One clean sheet across the last seven matches um, and they scored one goal uh, in the whole of November. So, you know, you can't look at a team who aren't scoring many goals but conceding them. Uh, and for that reason, Liverpool are the worst possible opponents. Well, it is funny, isn't it? Because they're, they're literally neighbours, so, but, but it is total poles apart in many ways. As you just said there about Liverpool's attack, that is without doubt Liverpool's biggest strength at the moment. Uh, so far this season, Liverpool have taken 253 shots. Manchester City in second on 232. So Liverpool have taken about 21 shots more than Manchester City there. And Liverpool's total of 253 is joint top of uh, Europe's top five leagues alongside exactly the same amount as Bayern Munich. Obviously, Bayern Munich competing in an easier league compared to the Premier League at least. Um, and certain other teams like the PSG, I think. Uh, potentially Real Madrid and the Spanish teams have, have actually played a game more, I think, than Liverpool. Um, and I think one of the one of the main things attached to Liverpool's season so far, one of the weird quirks is that of the, I think it's 20 games played in all competitions this season, Liverpool have scored at least two in 19 of them, which is just ridiculous. Uh, Chelsea are the only team to keep Liverpool to one goal. Um 
And a lot of that you should you could say stemmed from them getting a man sent off and literally sitting behind the ball for the rest of the game, which Liverpool should be able to break them down. Don't get me wrong, but um, it wasn't attack versus defence for the for the final part of that game. So as I said, Liverpool's attack is, is very very hard to them, and it, it's almost a case of if you want to get in from Liverpool at the moment, you you have to score two. That's that's kind of how it works at the minute. If you look at Brighton, if you look at Brentford, um, West Ham. They, they all managed to find to find a net twice against Liverpool to come away with a point or to come away with a win. Obviously, Everton Day from the, from from your perspective struggling a little bit in that department, but just generally then from from an Everton perspective, how's things looking over there? What's it like at Goodison Park at the moment? Just generally speaking, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's obviously really difficult at the moment. Um, you know, Benitez come in. And it was a controversial appointment. I'll, I'll get your maybe that your thoughts on that shortly, Josh, from a Liverpool perspective. But Benitez come in unpopular appointment. But what I would say is, first few weeks uh, he spoke really well, and obviously Liverpool fans listening will know that he does tend to do that. You know, he tends to speak well of the game, and um, a lot of what he was saying was was what fans, I believe, wanted to hear. Uh, and those first few weeks, he he kind of was pulling pulling people on the side. You know, Everton went... It's easy to forget now because they run their in, but across their opening uh, seven league games, Everton only lost one match. Um, and that was against Aston Villa, 3-0. Very bizarre game. I don't know if you caught it, Josh, but it was it was quite even. And Villa get the first goal and, and kind of... It was almost quick-fired. Scored about three goals in 10 minutes. Um, but, you know, certainly the underlying numbers painted it painted it as a, a fairly even contest. So there wasn't that much to worry about. Um, and then early October, go to Old Trafford. Uh, obviously, we know United are United and they were on at the start of their own problems. But there was a one-all draw in there and Everett played really well in that game. So, you know, you were, you were heading into the October international break thinking, OK, this this looks like a really competitive side. Ironically, I think we recorded there analysing Everton um, around that period, Josh, where we were kind of, how to put this, we were more optimistic about the prospects of, of how Everton could perform this year. You know, we, we broke it down as, you know, Benitez, quite a pragmatic manager. Um, you know, he can, he can organise a team. Uh, Everton have brought in some decent players to play on the counter with pace, you know, bringing in Townsend, Gray. Gray looked really sharp. And obviously, you've got then Calvert Lewin up top. Calvert Lewin's obviously missed a lot of the season since uh, and the results of downturn as well. And I guess that is probably one of the biggest uh, influences or impacts on, on Everton's form at the moment is, you know, they are missing key individuals. You know, the Calvert Lewin, uh, the Corey obviously had a, I think it was a broken foot, you know, something along those lines that kept him out for about five weeks. Uh, yeah, Remina is probably Evans' best centre back. He's gone as well, and uh, it's basically the span of the team. And I think, and maybe this is a wider thing we'll come on to shortly, but a difference between uh, Everton and Liverpool, a big one one of many, I should say, is uh, if you look at the problems and the differences in the approach to recruitment over the years, um, for me, Liverpool have done a really good job of, because they've got a, a fully aligned club and they've got um, a specific way of playing, um, they, you know, they, they, want, they know what profiles they want to start, they've been able to target those players recruitment-wise. Everton have re- really done that, they bounce from manager to manager, style to style, 
um, which has kind of give you this jumbled squad of of completely different 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 like profiles. You know, players who don't who don't tend to shoot a certain way, who can't come in in the place of one play and then replicate what they do. Um, to you know, really good example for Liverpool. Um, this will be lost on half the audience, but Tomiskas uh, coming, <laughs> yeah, coming in for Robertson, and we've we've shown that this that we've seen this year. You know, twelve months in, obviously it was a slow start, but twelve months in, he's really kind of settled into being like not only a Robertson understudy, but almost like a an alternative option uh, where Liverpool don't really have to adjust much tactically. Now, if you look at Everton, uh, you lose Calvert Lewin, and who's the reserve striker? You got Salman Rondon. Okay, he, you know he might be he might be considered tall, bit of a target man, but the reality is, in terms of player profiles, they're completely different, aren't they? You know, Calvert Lewin is much better in the air. He's more mobile, more agile. He, he brings a lot more. Whereas Rondon's very, very rigid, very slow, not very mobile. Um, so if then you were like, I don't know if you caught the game on Sunday, Josh against Brentford, but if you're then trying to implement this style of play where you, you end up putting 25 crosses into the box and the Rondon's the person you're aiming for. It doesn't really matter how great the crosses are. There's a good chance they, they won't lead to much and that's what happens. So um, hopefully, you know, that, that kind of summarises just a fraction of the issues at the moment. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I will say just on Rondon though, um, I think that would be a slightly different story if he was at Everton maybe six years ago. <laughs> but I think the fact he's now 32, I'd, I do agree with what you're saying. I think it's a totally different story now. But I think at his pump, he was kind of like that relatively mobile physical striker who could occupy a defensive line on his own. Um, but obviously, you know, he spent a few years in China and things. He's came back. He's, I think he started a little bit unfit. He was forced into proceedings without full fitness and stuff. And uh, I think he suffered a little bit. But um, just in terms of in terms of Everton, no, I, I think from a, I'm obviously a bit of an outsider when it comes to this sort of thing. But I've been a little bit surprised at the the, the grief maybe that Rafa's got and the um, at the unhappiness maybe. Because I think, although the results have not been good by by any means, I, I do think you can you can just put virtually all of it down to players, the mm-hmm. player availability. You know, but you've had, you've had injuries. That's the bottom line. I, I, I think if you, if you look at the players that Rafa's had out, they would have been the players at the start of the season. If you'd have asked them, right, you can have three players fit from start to finish for the whole season. Available every week. Calvert Loon would definitely be one, and then the others would probably consist of possibly a Mina, possibly of a Charles, and possibly a Decore. Specifically, Decore in this system, at least because he seems really well suited to it. Mm. Um, but that you know that hasn't been the case. You, you you haven't had the players available, and I think naturally results have dropped off since um, those players have have been absent. So, although I think it's. I mean, I've just got an email through now, literally while you were speaking, saying Rafa Benitez odds-on favourites to be the next Premier League manager sacked. Um, I mean, is that is that an actual possibility? Because in, in my, from my perspective, if I was Everton's owner or whatever analysing the situation, I would, I would absolutely admit it's not good. But I, I do think there's legitimate reasons why things are happening at the minute. Yeah, and so and so do I. And 
For me, uh, I had a piece come out this morning uh, on the Liverpool Echo. You know, if anyone wants to check it out, red or blue. Um, yeah, it's, and it was basically, uh, you know, it was about maybe 600 words about what's going wrong and how I haven't got to where they are. And I don't think uh, there's any mention of Benitez in there. Genuinely, I don't think I mentioned him once. Because for me, um, the, the the basically this is kind of an accumulation of, of, of mistake after mistake after mistake across the kind of machinery era. And I said on Sunday, I do wonder whether we're now going to be in a position where there should be more scrutiny on the board because there is this almost reactive response of getting, you know, get the manager out, the manager needs to go. I think Benitez's his problem is he's unpopular because of the Liverpool connections. I think that'll never go. And I said to you, didn't I, at the start of the season, that was my biggest concern. But I do believe his hands have been tied a little bit. And Okay, I think he's made some mistakes, as all managers do. You know, we we, we, we I, do this show. Go on, sorry. I was going to say, I think they've, they've been very tied, to be honest. I don't think it's been a little bit. I think, you know, considering what he had to operate with in the transfer market mm. and then considering the injuries he's been presented with, I think he's been he's been really restricted, I think. Yeah, he has, yeah. But what I was going to say was even... He, yeah, you can always find a fault after the game. You know, if you didn't like a specific substitution, uh, you thought setup was a little bit wrong. But the thing is, like every manager does that. We, you know, we we do this show every week, and many a time we've said, "I don't, I don't, I don't know why Klopp did that. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if I agree with that substitution, or I don't think he needed to set up that way." And Klopp's, you know, undisputed in terms of being one of the best in the game. You know, so. You can always find that ammunition, uh, but I think what what goes against Benitez, as I said, is there's a Liverpool connection there. Um, but the general sh- discourse for me should be aim- aimed higher. I mean, you look look at this Mashiri era. You know, he comes in. I think we're all five or six years in now, and I, I think you can categorically say during his time. And I don't think this is um, through any malicious actions by him. I think it's just sadly, you know, he's made poor decisions again and again. But if you look at it, Everton, uh, it, it's basically been a disaster. If we're, if we're going to be honest about it, it's been a disaster because when he come in, uh, I try and think of that team, you'll probably remember as well, Josh, there was a really good span of players. There was um, John Stones, top player, uh, Barkley, you know, maybe the joy start with Barkley, but he was still a, you know, a top young player. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, of course, you know, just a good span of players, um, teams in Europe at the time. In his fe- when he came in in February in that year, Everton got to the semi final League Cup, semi final FA Cup. I think they had a mid table finish, and Martinez was sacked, but um, you know, basically, that they, they, they still had good foundations in which to build on. Now, five years down the line, you think Everton have spent, I don't know what the figure is now, let's say 500 million. You spent five hundred million. They've had maybe five, six managers in that time, including interims. They've had a million one different kind of philosophies and styles, and you know different recruitment plans, etc. And now you look at the team that it is now. You know you turn to players like Andros Townsend, who's done well. Don't get me wrong, he's done well and he's coming, but you you turn to him to be a regular. And I was this was the same player who who could who was released by Crystal Palace uh, in the summer. You know. And now I'm in a position where the squad's nowhere near as good five years on and you can't even spend because of FFP and the amount of mistakes that you have made in the market. So 
to to go back to the original original point, Josh, uh, I do understand what you're saying about Benitez, and I'd agree. I think his hands have been really tired, and the the issues. It's almost like the chickens have come home to roost a little bit. Yeah, and Benitez is in charge while that's happening. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how. Yeah, but I think I would I would look at the situation and. Although it's, I, I must understand, very, very, very frustrating and things like that as a fan. I just don't think the coach is to blame in this situation. I don't think you're going to get anywhere from getting rid of the coach. Not, I don't know if the coach is the necessarily a long-term solution for Everton. I think he's more of a long-term solution than, than Ancelotti was, though. Um, but I do think that it, 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 it's no point in getting rid of him. I just don't think, it's, I think he's suffered at the minute as a result of decisions made before him. Uh, injuries and you know not being able to bring in his own players and the players he did bring in to be fair have contributed um, and Rafa does generally have a decent hit rate in the, in, in the transfer markets over the years um, I'm just looking at Everton side actually Dave you just made me go back to uh, 2016 just to, have, just to have a general look at what the squad mm-hmm. was like there was a, there's a few um, players that you just probably wouldn't want around but uh, one player that you forgot before was uh, Adrissa Gay uh, top player, um, Gareth Barry was in there. Kevin Morales was about, but he was also the likes of Yannick Balassi in there. And, um, I'm not sure what the take is of Ashley Williams. I, I could have that really unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know the point is it was a, it was a solid structure to build on, wasn't it? Um, yeah, no, there was a, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and there's a, there are question marks. I mean. Just, just on then, uh, Benitez. So you asked, do you think it's r- realistic that he could get sacked? I've just had a quick look now at an Everton uh, fan page on Twitter. A fairly, you know, solid one. Got about fifty thousand followers, um, and they put out um, the Benitez debate. Um, would because they, they basically say you can't keep sacking managers, but is he the, the right manager to stay on? What would you do? Uh, it's got just under 4,000 votes um, and 45% say he needs more time and 55% say he should, he should be sacked. So you that's, know, actually, that's actually better than I expected that. I, Is it really? I, yeah, I thought it was worse than that. So uh, yeah. that's good. Because um, I, I do think he generally needs more time. You know, if you look at... I do. Even from a Liverpool perspective, Jürgen Klopp and... Uh, the strength of Liverpool's squad. We we suffered from major injuries last season. You know, I'm not sure what the Liverpool equivalent is of of Calvert Lewin, but the Liverpool equivalent of Calvert Lewin is probably Salah or Van Dijk, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and by the way, we're not comparing the two. No, jobs. of course, You're just not. making the point of equivalence to the in in, in respect of the team before yeah. anyone you know, loses the hair. Yeah, massive caveat there. Let's put a big uh, disclaimer underneath the video here. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, and, and Liverpool fell off a cliff. Uh, I, I just, it just, it can happen, you know. That's 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 just how it goes, really. And I think Everton, I've just kind of got to bear with it. Um, and I think once Calvert Lewin comes back, Mean is in the side a bit more often. The Corey's, I think the Corey's recently back anyway. Uh, and Richarlison's regularly. I mean, Richarlison's had a mad season, I think, from an outside perspective because he's, mm-hmm. he's playing for the Brazil all the time when he doesn't really need to be. You know, for the Olympics and things like that, and then he's uh, he's he's already missing games because he's had five yellow cards. Hmm. Um, so you know that that's not doing anyone any favors. But I think when when Everton have got a full eleven out, as he did for bits at the start of the season, they can give anyone a game. But I think this time around against Liverpool, 
I do agree with you. I don't think it's a good sign to be facing Liverpool. I think Liverpool are very hot at the minute. Mm. Um, just, sorry, just on. before we move on to Liverpool, have you had a look at Everton profile-wise, like underlying numbers-wise as of yet or recently? Only glances. I had a glance yeah. at, um, you know, the, the general expected goal difference and the goal difference and things like that. And it's, yeah. it's, it generally looks like so far it's been a bit of a coin flip for Everton to win a game because mm. he looked very middle of the road when it comes to that sort of thing. Obviously, they've, in terms of goal difference now, they've, they've conceded four goals more than they've scored. Mm. Um, and a, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of results, four wins, three losses, sorry, three draws and uh, six losses. Why mm. is the end you, uh, you want to highlight it? I just think, well, the, the, the obvious thing is, which might seem, you know, quite quite funny to to you, who's obviously being out the bubble a little bit, or maybe Liverpool fans listening, but uh, I think there's a genuine concern that Everton fans think they could get relegated this year um, on the back of this run and all the kind of malaise that's going on around the club. Um, but and the reason I point out, because I just think it, it's good to probably point out to, to appease fears a little bit um, that, you know, it has looked bad, especially on this form uh, in this run, but Everton don't look like the, a team that are, you know, on the on the brink of a relegation battle. I know points-wise, they're only six points clear, but, you know, so are United. Um, in terms of, you know, shots shot for, shots against, they're, they're right in the middle of the road. Um, actually, you know, in terms of shots they generate, there's only the, the kind of top six who, who've, who've hit more so far this season and they're kind of in decent company uh, in terms of shots faced. And then... Looking at just, and these are really simple metrics, obviously, but just to give you a feel, uh, in terms of XG, they're one, two, about top seven, top eight for XG, um, kind of top 11, top 10, 11 for XG against. So they're basically a middle of the road side on the performance numbers, which obviously it's, it's, it's not inspiring stuff, but it's probably comforting enough for, for fans that it, it shouldn't really end in a, in, in, in any sort of relegation battle? No, I don't think relegation is a, a threat at all. To be honest, I can't see that happening. And I think, again, if you look back at when they had the fully fit team, if you look back at the start of the season, the numbers attached to those games, everyone were generally better than most of the teams that they faced, convincingly better than Southampton, better than Leeds, better than Brighton. They level with Burnley in a certain game. Uh, Villa, when he lost 3-0, Villa, Villa were marginally better. Better than Norwich. Um, they give Manchester, Manchester United a game away from home because of Snaster, I think, at the end. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just... I think what Everton need just generally is, is... I think you can compare it to Liverpool a few years back. Everton remind me of, of Liverpool around the time that FSG took charge. Because Liverpool were... Chasing a, an identity, didn't really have one. And we were signing players that, we, I mean, I think the window before FSG came in, Liverpool brought Joe Cole, Christian Poulsen, um, and somebody else who was, like, getting on. Somebody <laughs> else who was, who was well past was, it. Was it. Was it that Morelles, maybe? We bought, yeah. he, to be honest, he was the worst guy. He was, uh, I think he was bought, though, yeah, you're right. But he, yeah, he, right. he was in a... Uh, he wasn't amongst the worst of them. Um, oh, there's someone else I can't think of who it was, but Liverpool were basically just signing players who were never going to be solutions, were never going to be long-term contributors. Analyzing and- 
Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. One thing I've, I've gauged from, if you compare, for example, FSG and, and Mishiri, massive, massive difference in terms of how willing FSG are to look at tomorrow compared to how impatient to me Mishiri seems to achieve what he wants to achieve. Obviously, he wants Everton to be a European club, probably wants to break into top four and things and all this sort of stuff. But the way in which he's done it, it has, be, it has come across like he's been a bit impatient. Um, and as a result of those short-term moves, Everton have ne- I've, I've still kind of, they've stood still, I think, really the whole time. Um, whereas if at the start of his journey, he started to put in blocks that FSG started to put in, think of where Everton might be now, you know, mm. five years later. Mm. Everton, Everton could be now in a really healthy place if the, if, based on Mercedes' time. So as a result of him, Just to add to your point, and throwing 500 million or whatever he spent in that time. Like if someone said, you know, it, you've got five years and 500 million, go and make yourself top side. You know, and you'd, you'd love it. Yeah. But as, as a result of him wanting to speed things up, he's wasted more time. You know, and it, it's, it's set Everton back even more. And I think from a Liverpool perspective, one thing I've certainly picked up on as a fan over the years is... It's an absolute nightmare when you get in the play at the wrong player. It just it doesn't have set you back. You look at Man United at Man United at the moment. They were having a good year last season, progressing, generally getting there a little bit better every year and all that sort of stuff. It just takes one bad sign, and that bad sign was Ronaldo. Just was not needed. Was not suited. Now a tactical problem. All that and I've now fell off a cliff, and the manager's been sacked and all that sort of stuff. Um, but. Getting those signings right, getting in the right players, it's it's so important. Um, and having an identity running throughout your club is is just it is evident. You know, it's it's so important uh, when it comes to aligning your decision making, when it comes to promoting academy graduates, when it comes to getting in the right coaches, searching for the right players, just all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that's one one department where Mashiri's majorly fell short in terms of like, you know, I think he's he arguably match uh, the wealth of FSG at times, I'm guessing, but in terms of the sporting expertise, not even close. Hmm. I'll, I, I guess before we move on a little bit more to talk about Liverpool and maybe the match specifically, I've got a two-pronged question for you then. Um, the first is where do you think Everton will finish this year? And the second is, I agree with everything you've said, by the way. You, you know the way, obviously, Liverpool were operating in that way uh, prior to FSG, and then it only changed when FSG come in. Do you foresee that um, it'll change under machinery, or do you think that Everton could sleepwalk to something more severe because the, he, he, may never, he may never learn? Um, in terms of the second... Sorry, what was the first question again? First is where you think would you finish, or maybe finish, right, yeah. maybe finish on that one. No, I think in terms of where Everton will finish, let's have a quick look at the league because I'm very reluctant to go against what I said on last Everton a few months back, despite the current situation. Yeah, I'm going to stick with what I said for now. Um, I remember revising me me initial prediction for Everton because he did start the season relatively well, and I think I said that they'll finish somewhere between. Was it seventh and ninth that I said? Hmm. Um, 
And I think although, as I said, although things look terrible at the minute, there's there's reasons behind why things are terrible. And I think as soon as Everton get the players back, and I remember saying this last year in relation to Liverpool, I remember saying at the time, as soon as Liverpool get Van Dijk back, your midfielders back in midfield, Everton will return back to normal. And that's that's what's happened at Anfield. Mm. And from an Everton perspective, I think the same will be the case. I think as soon as Calvert-Lewin in particular is back, and then you've got Mina back in the back line, uh, with Charleston playing every week, hopefully, the core doing the kind of box-to-box role that he seems to be really capable of doing. I think Everton will just start to pick up results again. But mm. it remains to be seen whether Benitez will stay in charge between now and that happen, because I do think there's the prospect of um, the board kind of... I don't know what, what's, what's the bend, word. Kind of, bend into the pressure. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Just kind of like freezing a little bit and just putting the axe down, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I would keep my foot in charge and things like that. And I think if you do, your season will generally be fine. But you just never know with the Everton decision-making process whether that'll whether that'll be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second question. One thing that's FS- hard. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. one. <laughs> one thing FSG were really good at. Only on the sporting side of things, I'll, on the culture side of things, they haven't been the best at this, but on the sporting side of things, they, they have learned from mistakes on, on the um, sporting side. Initially, we were signing players, we were, we, you know, we signed Andy Carroll, for example, we, we, but we really rushed that one because we just lost Fernando Torres. So that was a rushed one. They, they haven't rushed one since, really. Mm. Um, they haven't really dedicated extortionate amounts to um, homegrown players, English players, which is what we did early on with, I mean, 20 million for Jordan Henderson turned out to be great, but at the time it was deemed as a lot. Spent a fair bit on Charlie Adams, Stuart Downham, players like that. Liverpool have have learned from that. Can I just say something on Jordan Henderson, by the way? For me, I think he's only been a success because of his own mindset, and I feel like the, the business wasn't probably the best. I don't think they would have seen maybe that side of him. And maybe I could be really harsh, but I just feel like he's he's prolonged his success at the club because of his own mindset to be like, you know, successful. I don't think they bought a player with what his career in, in like trajectory in mind. I think they were kind of looking at this young English talent, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I think initially when he came in, I think he was playing right wing. Um, in a in a, a flat bank of four, I think. Mm. So yeah, Liverpool certainly didn't have that in mind when he bought him. Mm. I'm assuming he just had like a, a a driven English prospect who was still only 20, I think, at the time. But yeah, you might be like right there. Um, and Liverpool also made loads of mistakes when it comes to signing players who have got youth on their side, but they were just too a bit too young. So Iago Aspas, um, Luis Alberto. Players like that who, okay, you want to invest in young players who've got, uh, who you can sell on or who, have, who will dedicate a decade of time to your club, maybe. But the bottom line is, A, they have to be good enough. And B, while also having potential, they have to be able to contribute immediately because mm. it's the Premier League, it's Liverpool. So over time, anyway, FSG just, I've, I've learned from mistake after mistake. One thing with Everton, Mishiri doesn't seem to be doing that that, that much. He seems to keep making the same mistakes, and um, I don't think Everton will ever really sleepwalk into major troubles. I think the squad is just generally 
too good to get relegated, really. I don't want to be naive in saying that. I think there was a team a few years back, weren't they? And that, that was the general line that it's too good to get relegated. And they did, did eventually go down. It might have been Newcastle. Like, well, that's um, like that. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember who it was, but I don't think it'll ever be that bad. But I think it's. I think it could be ominous if you if you, if saying, I don't know, four years time or something. If Everton is still drifting around tenth, that will be you know a decade on the machinery of of just staying in the, in the exact same position because you've got no idea how to climb, but you're too good to drop. If you know what I mean. Mm. Um, don't know if you've got any thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I have, but a lot of what you said. Uh, my only concern is, as I said, if you, if you look at it from two points, the start point and where we are now, so the start of his era and where we are now, I, I wouldn't even say Evan have stagnated. I just feel like they've, if you look at what the, the quality of the squad and the you know the, the spending power available and things, Evan have actually regressed ever so slightly. Um and, you know, you could say that because of the manager you got in place, who's probably not going to be long-term based on what we're seeing. So I think they regressed. And you, the concern is if you don't learn your lessons soon, these marginal regressions are just going to become more frequent and they're going to happen over the few more years. And and when you're only really kind of mid-table side, then you might regress to low mid-table. And the gap really isn't that far from low mid-table and kind of battling to, to stay up. Especially if the teams below you are doing things right, Norwich look like they might be back with a chance of staying up. Um, Newcastle obviously going to be a completely different side in the next few years. They've kind of they they're two teams. I know Norwich are up and down, but say Newcastle, Newcastle are almost guarantees to hover around that bottom six area when they're in the Premier League. But you know they're going to not be there anymore. And I'm with you. I don't think Evan are going to get relegated. But all, all I'm saying is, if you continue to make these. Uh, mistakes and these kind of minor regressions it could end up becoming a disaster you know it could end up leading to some sort of relegation and i think what at the moment Evan might just get away with it because they, they, they may just be living on statue a little bit being like a stable premier league side so you still manage to land on decent players but um we'll have to see I'm, I'm conscious that we've we've spoke a lot about a lot about everton and maybe we should speak a little bit more about Liverpool and, and the actual game itself. Um, I, I mean, I was going to laugh and say where it's won and lost, but I think it's uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, one question I do have on Liverpool, though, Josh, if you're happy to move on, is um, just just because of everything that we talked about earlier with them. What what in the, in in your eyes from like the Liverpool supporter side of things, what do you think the ambitions are this season? Like, what would it be deemed only as a success? AKA, what I'm asking you is, do you need the Premier League or Champions League for it to be seen as a success this season, based on what Liverpool are doing? I think for it to be deemed as a, as a success, you you would probably have to have one of the Premier League or the Champions League. But I think. You can't really ask for more than a title challenge and the latter stages of the Champions League because it, to an extent, yeah. as long as you're providing a title challenge and you're into the knockout, the real latter stages of a, of a knockout competition, you, to an extent, you are open to just variance. You, you know, to an extent, it, it will it can get decided, and at the end of the day. One of, sorry, two of City, 
Chelsea and Liverpool are going to go without a Premier League title this season. So the two that don't win, it can't be deemed as having bad seasons because there's probably going to be about two or three points in it, if that. Um, and when it comes to the Champions League, again, it's just so much I play. It's it's so, I mean, look at the last time Liverpool got knocked out of the Champions League, I think. Not not last, well, I suppose, yeah, you could look at both times, but the last season Liverpool got knocked out of the Champions League. It was purely on the back of a terrible 45 minutes in Madrid. Um, and the rest of it was generally okay. Because of that terrible 45 minutes, we were out. Mm. And I think the year before, again, we got knocked out to a Madrid side, the different Madrid side this time. In my opinion, purely because of Adrian. Purely because of the goal. I'm not I'm not joking. Purely because oh, of the goal. Yeah, I, remember you, I remember you're thrown uh, <laughs> dart at his, uh, his face on the dartboard, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah that, anyway, yeah. I'm still scared from that. Means anytime he yeah. takes to the field, I'm an absolute bag of nerves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, you are just open to the elements when it comes to getting that high. You, you definitely expect to be in, in with a shout. You have to be in with a shout. If, you, if you're not challenging and you get knocked out earlier, in the Champions League, then you failed without doubt. Mm. But you just have to be kind of competing. You just have to be challenging. Um, but having said that, I do think it's highly plausible that Liverpool will win one of the big two. I'm not sure what. And if I had to put money on one now, what would you say? Uh, probably... I think probably the Champions League. Yeah, I was going to say Champions League. Just I be, think- I, I, who? Why? Okay, on that then, I, I'll answer first. Just, uh, just so you know, I'm not copying you. Um, <laughs> who do you think is going to win the Premier League? Because uh, I, I weirdly still think it might be City. You know. Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't possibly pick a team, but I think the the Premier League is just more suited to a team like City, because yeah. as I said, when you're open to the when you open to the elements, you open to variance. Variance just seems to sting City a bit less. And the reason it seems to sting them a bit less is because Guardiola's team just have total control of everything. You know, if you, if you watch their games, to an extent it's boring because they're, they're in control of so much. It's it, There's no, like, competition. They've got the ball all the time. They're facing about six shots, mm-hmm. eight shots a game. And they're taking about 15 16 themselves from better locations and everything so and I've got depth and all that so uh, I, th- I I wouldn't disagree with you but I wouldn't put me me name to any of them um, mm. but in the Champions yeah. League yeah I would lean towards Liverpool above City probably yeah. Chelsea above City as well I was just going to say on that I, it made me laugh a, a little bit when we were having that conversation then because I was thinking you could make a case really that it's it's kind of those three same teams who are going to probably be pushing for the Champions League because... And Bayern Munich, I think. I was just about to say, beyond Bayern Munich, who I think they've lost two all season. Um, so by their standards, they're not unbelievable, but they're still, you know, top of the league. They're above Dortmund by a point or so. But beyond Bayern, who, who's going to be the biggest threat? Can you think? Um... No, I do. I do think it will come from one of those four teams. I don't think PSG are, are enough no. of a team to to win that tournament. I think that you can't. I saw that during the week. I think it was Carragher and, and people like that saying Thierry Henry and things saying you, you just can't win a tournament like that. Defending with seven players, yeah. 
Mm. You can win League One, but you can't win uh, the Champions League against because you, you're going to be coming up against the elite opposition. And Liverpool defend with eleven players. Uh, yeah. City defend with eleven players. Chelsea defend with eleven players. Bayern. Well, you actually, uh, you, I, I know a lot of people, probably yourself included, but I know a lot of people listening and watching would have missed it. But you actually saw it in that game against City last week. Obviously, it was on at the same time as the Porto win for Liverpool. Um, but I uh, have to admit, I, I did watch the City game instead. Um, and yeah, you could just see it. And it summarised really well just then, seven plays. You know, you've basically got three attackers, which, okay, you've got that counter-attack and threat, and maybe that ties in with it a little bit. But when you're playing teams like City, you, you've got to have more players defending. And City fully deserved the win. No, they were by far the better team. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Rolling back to the derby, then. Um, we'll do, we'll do it like this. So, from your perspective, you're the inside man at Goodison, and you're feeding information to Liverpool. <laughs> what should Liverpool target? What are you most worried about? Type thing. Oh, uh, it's actually a really tough question at the moment because, as I say, I think the team is very poor. Um, I'm probably looking at mm, that right side as a problem. Uh, you know, Coleman playing right back. I think that's a, that's been an issue for a long time. He's been a fantastic player. You know, five, five or six years ago, definitely wouldn't have been saying that. But I think at the moment he looks quite poor. And obviously, if you think of the... Maybe not necessarily the threat of, say, giving the ball to Mane and him running at him, although I think that will be an issue. I'm thinking more about the kind of, like, Trent switches into that area, you know, the the, the, the starting the attack maybe out to the right and then putting it over to the left. And if I remember correctly, the, the derby last year, Liverpool scored a really good goal uh, with something similar to that. I think, I think yeah. it involved, was it Thiago in, in that, on that occasion? Yeah, I think. Are you talking about Goodison? Yeah, Goodison, yeah. In the early stages at the start, was this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a really intricate move, yeah, and it just kind of. Um, I think it was Mane who scored, actually. Yeah, that might have been, I'm not sure. I think Henderson yeah. was involved in it, Salah was involved in it. Um, but yeah, that was a really good move that Liverpool started on fire in that game, actually. Yeah, so I think that is definitely going to be a concern, but look, the team's going to likely be. Maybe a four-four-one-one. Uh, it's going to be really compact, um, really difficult to break down. Kind of like a lot of what these games have been in the past at Goodison, you know. The and what we what we probably we haven't really mentioned yet, Josh, um, is Liverpool don't really tend to enjoy this game, you know. Although they don't lose it that often, um, I don't think they've lost any of the last nine. They just seem to struggle to win it, you know, get on the right side of the the results and. I guess it's it's, it's, yeah. it's such a, a niggly game, I think. The, the, mm. the ball's out of play a lot more than usual. Uh, lots of fouls and you, you never seem to be in space. Oh. Goodison feels like a it's relatively tight that. pitch, yeah. even though Anfield is as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's just... It, and to be honest, there's been the odd little clear-cut moments the past few years and they, they seem to fall to Salah at Goodison, but Pickford seems to keep pulling out these saves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just generally, it seems to be a difficult place to to go and 
control, you know, ki- ki- to keep total control at all times. Um, just because, as I said, it's, it, Everton seem capable of turning derbies into scraps in the middle of the park and, and um, with a, lots of second balls and things like that and um, that sort of stuff. So I think generally it, it is difficult to go there and put the put the result beyond a coin flip, if you know what I mean. Yeah, just do Watford did, mate. They did it all right a few weeks ago. <laughs> is there um, is there any any way you see uh, you see how Everton could do anything to hurt Liverpool at the moment? Um, <laughs> That's how I made sure to give that to you first because I didn't fancy <laughs> it. No, I'm not. I'm not sure really. I think uh, set pieces are, are, are a potential area that Everton could exploit, but then. I don't think Mina's fit, is he? No, he's not. Uh, and Calvert-Lewin's obviously going to be missing, so mm. you've got a, a bit a bit less of a strength there. And but I, th- I think potentially Everton can kind of follow a bit of a a route that Brentford paved. I think Everton could could do what Brentford did, and I think you can you can look at Trent in a defensive capacity, particularly in the air. And I think if you put Richarlison up against Trent and kind of overload Trent's side and deliver your crosses in that direction, like Brentford teams. Brentford scored all three, I think it was three, three goals against Liverpool um, by overloading the back stick, basically. Um, and even if the, a Brentford player didn't win the first header, the second ball, because there was like three of them there, the second ball would fall to a Brentford player. The difference with Brentford, I suppose, is Brentford were playing a back five at the time. So they were pushing forward like a wide centre-back and things like that. The system allowed them to do that. I'm not sure Everton's four four one one or whatever will you know will have to adapt slightly differently, but I think um, I suppose that's kind of what I'd be looking at. I'd be looking at getting Richarlison around Trent and generally putting putting aerial balls in that in that area and things like that. Um, but it, it it is going to be difficult because I do think it's it sounds a bit stupid, but you do to an extent need to score too to get something from Liverpool. I, I can't see Everton scoring twice. No. Um, but then again, I'm not sure I'll see Liverpool scoring twice at Goodison. There's just something about Goodison. It's a difficult place. Mm. Yeah. I uh, The thing with that run as well, I think obviously Liverpool have been deserving of it. But you, 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 there's a reason why I guess it's a record-breaking run because it's quite hard to sustain. So I guess it stops at some point, um, you know, scoring that and two, two or more goals and however many you have. But... I just don't see this being it, and I, I actually disagree. I think this might be the one where um, where Liverpool might get a couple. Well, I was going to say then: is is there any any feeling that this could get bad, or yeah. like like how how bad is it? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's bad, and I think definitely. Like say for say for example, it it got bad at Old Trafford a few weeks back. Mm. Liverpool went there, obviously hit them for five. That's been, I think that's been in the in the works for years. That one, um, and it finally happened. Type thing. The, from my perspective, I don't see this as. I don't think that's going to happen. But you, so I, that's that's why I'm asking you. If you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I, I can't. Famous last words here. Yeah. I can't imagine Everton say being down four 0 at half time. I think that was madness. But I think the difference maybe is you know uh, United approached that game as. You know, it doesn't matter who we're up against. We're Man United. We should be playing a certain way. So yeah, that, Rafa you know, won't that, do that, will he? 
No, exactly. Everton won't be going high pressing, for example, or trying to go all out attack. And I think that's when Liverpool can punish you. I think Liverpool have to work harder for the goals in this game because they're going to, they're going to have to break teams, will break Everton's down. And um, you know what I would say is Everton haven't been that bad uh, when they've when when it's backs against the walls kind of stuff when they they're not expected to basically go out and attack. Um, I, I'm trying. I think City managed to take them apart, but it's always a little bit tougher away from home. And if that game finished three 0 but Eddie played Tottenham at Goodison the week before. That was nil nil. Tottenham didn't really have a sniff. Um, obviously, we've already touched on that. United drew one one, um, and, and and Everton's record at home against Liverpool does suggest they do normally do a decent job of of keeping them at bay. Um, but it it just doesn't. It just feels like this time around. It's I think it's going to be it's going to be just a lot more one sided than it has been in the past. Yeah, one major strength I think Liverpool are going into this one with. I've just, I've just mentioned before how it's generally difficult to control things at Goodison. But it's perfect timing, really, that Liverpool now have a midfield three of Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson. I think we will need that midfield three for this game. Um, I don't think Thiago and Fabinho, whenever both of them have started, I don't think they've lost any. I think, In fact, I think, I've won, I think they've won them all, except one, drawing one of them. Um, Thiago just offers, obviously, we know what he offers, but alongside Henderson and alongside Fabinho, you do really get a foothold in the middle of the park. Um, and that's I think Thiago yeah, is going to be the worry this game, definitely, from their perspective, because he's got the ability, I think he's just dictating that area and just move the ball at so much quicker than others do. And, you know, with even those little gaps that do appear, he's got the ability to penetrate them. Um, so it's his perfect game, really. Yeah, I mean, he was brilliant in his first game at Goodison, I thought. I thought he was outstanding in that game. Um, and obviously, he set up the winner, but it was given us offside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I mean, should we do predictions or is there anything else you want to add? <laughs> uh, we can, but yeah, I, I honestly think maybe the crowd might, if a challenge goes in early or something, might maybe get the crowd on side. You might get a goal. But I'm expecting something like a three-one Liverpool. I think that would be for some. I think Evertonians would take that at the moment, actually, based on what I'm hearing. So I'm saying so three-one Liverpool. Yeah, see, I I don't feel as as confident. I, I do feel safe. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. I think I do think that Blues are generally a bit um a bit <laughs> too too down on the dumps about it. I think it's not. I don't think it's as bad as uh, as you're letting on. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. It might be, but yeah. f- from my perspective, I think I do think Liverpool will will win, um, largely because of that midfield. I think th- that midfield could be too good, but I'm w- I'm going to say two 0 I think. But um, play a bit more conservative. Yeah, I, I don't think Liverpool will want this one to go down the route of a basketball game or anything like that, uh, where it's end to end and I don't think Liverpool will want to give the crowd any reason to get up at all I think Liverpool needs to play in a way almost like City played against United a few weeks back did you see that um, mm. obviously they didn't score as many as Liverpool did at Old Trafford the week before they only won 2-0 but he just didn't give United a sniff it was just total control slow tempo the whole game and things and I think Liverpool need to keep a lid on, on the atmosphere if possible um, to score early, I, I genuinely think it would turn toxic. Um, yeah, I think well, an early well, goal changes it. 
Well, I think I watched the, I think the overlap it might have been, uh, Gary Neville's overlap before the season, and they were just generally speaking about the prospect of Benitez at Goodison, uh, and I think Carragher flagged the possibility of Liverpool being a few goals up against Everton, and the Anfield crowd singing Rafa Benitez's name. <laughs> now I think at Goodison, I wouldn't put that past Liverpool fans to do that. If if Liverpool get a lead or whatever, and it's fairly comfortable or whatever. Mm. And if that starts happening, I think it will get a bit messy, but I don't know. Don't want to start talking about that, do we? Yeah, no, we'll wait and see. But as I said, I think um yeah, well let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But I, I, my my opinion is it'll be it'll be a fairly comfortable win for the pool this. Um and Everton will have to try and regroup afterwards when these fixtures level out a little bit. I mean they don't they don't necessarily get that much easier after this. Uh Arsenal at home, you've only lost one in ten. Which was against Liverpool. Uh, Palace away, Chelsea away, uh, Leicester at home, and then you get Burnley with a bit of a respite. Yeah, I just hope Rafa lasts through it because <laughs> uh, I just don't, I just don't see the logic behind getting rid. But um, yeah, I mean, should, should we round up then? I mean, I mean, I'm not sure if you want to pass on any any roundup message to Analyze Neverton listeners. When will we be back? That sort of thing. Yeah, as I said, we'll maybe uh, we'll let the next couple of games play out. Maybe you know what, Josh? Shall we put something? Shall we plan something between us for ahead of the Palace game? So that's Liverpool out the way, Arsenal out the way, and then Palace. Um, and we can kind of reassess there. So two weeks we'll do an analyse and Everton, and obviously analyse and Anfield will be as usual. Yeah, well, I mean, this is Christmas period now, really. So there's a game every three days. Um, so from an analyze and Anfield perspective, we'll do our best to fit in as many as we can. Uh, obviously, we play Wolves this weekend, but because this is a, an analyze and Everton, analyze and Anfield crossover episode, we're not going to speak about Wolves. Southampton game as well, we didn't speak about, but we'll try and restore normal service next week. Um, yeah, as always. So uh, thanks for tuning in, Dave. Thanks for joining us, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everyone. And uh, yeah, Look forward to the Merseyside derby. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.